Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, and this is episode 14, looking at the October 30, 1995 episodes of Raw and Nitro. Before we get underway, just a big shout out to everyone that has picked up the show in recent times. The hits have been going up quite a bit. And a reminder, as always, that you can find us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and catch our shows on 4CR Online at 4CRonline.com and on Twitter at 4C Radio. A big thank you as well to everyone that contributed to the last show, the In Your House Great White North up against Halloween Havoc 1995. Had a lot of fun recording that and especially getting the interaction and all the tweets to read on the show. So if anyone has thoughts of upcoming shows, including the 1995 Raw or Nitro timeline or any upcoming pay-per-views, please feel free to get in touch. Um, Always welcome the comments on Twitter. As far as these shows go, uh, Nitro is coming the night after Halloween Havoc 1995 and drew a... 2.3 rating and Raw is coming about 8 days after the In Your House Great White North pay-per-view and drew a 2.1 rating. But as you're all no doubt aware by now, we're ripping up those ratings and we're going to declare our own winner. So without any further ado, let's do it. First cab off the rank, as you can guess by the music, is Nitro, coming to us this week from Dayton, Ohio, with our usual commentary team of Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Steve Mongo McMichael, who has Pepe this week dressed as a witch for Halloween. Mr. Bischoff tells us that as soon as the video footage from Halloween Havoc arrives, they will show us what happened with the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and that's a card they'll play again and again for the evening to keep viewers hooked. The first match of the night was scheduled to be Sergeant Craig the Pitbull Pitman up against a Macho Man Randy Savage, but we're told Macho Man is hurt from the evening before, so Eddie Guerrero will be taking his place, and I'm okay with that, believe it or not. Especially since the last couple of Macho Man matches on the show have really pretty well sucked balls. Um, I'm a big Macho Man fan, but his work lately has been pretty shite. First one out for the match is Sergeant Craig the Pitbull Pitman, who's looking a little bit like the love child of Major Payne and Charles Barkley. Eddie Guerrero follows suit and he comes out to an okay pop. It seems like the crowd is starting to warm to him because he's not had much reaction so far other than the amazing high spot. They begin feeling each other out with not too much action early on um, and the crowd do get into some light Eddie chance so it's definitely coming on strong uh, before Pittman gets a hold of Guerrero and swings him into a boss man slam type move. Um, He's just too powerful for Eddie in the early exchanges. Eddie gets fed up with Pittman ex- uh, exerting his strength, so shows him some classic wrestling, drops down and takes him with a mean double leg takedown, plants him. Uh, this annoys Pittman a little bit, so when he gets back up, he just nails Eddie with some right hands. The commentary team at this point tell us that the next pay-per-view coming up is World War Three, a three-ring 60-man battle royal. I've never seen that. Cannot wait. Fuck yeah. At this point in the match, Eddie Guerrero picks up the pace a little bit and starts to run circles around Pittman, um, hits him with a nice leg lariat for a two count. And as soon as Pittman gets back on the offense, the crowd starts to groan. I think it's not just me that didn't like him. I'm guessing this was a failed experiment. We certainly will see in the weeks ahead. Um, He stays on offense for a while, and he's just got really limited basic moves, nothing much happening, until he hits a humongous overhead belly-to-belly suplex on Guerrero, which not only sends him flipping forwards, but rolling sideways as well. It was a nasty throw. Pittman pretty much just sort of 
places all his offense around working over the arm, and Bobby Heenan tells us that that is to set up the code red later on in the match, but it's pretty boring. Um, Eddie Guerrero does lighten things up a little bit, though, with a springboard off the top into a spinning crossbody for a two-count. Really cool move before Pittman hits another belly-to-belly -belly suplex for a two, and then a gut-wrench powerbomb, but when he goes to lift Guerrero again, Guerrero flips him over with a surprise sort of reverse sunset flip for a one-two-three and a happy crowd. Um, good pop there for Eddie. We're going to a commercial break, but the commentary team tell us when we come back, we're going to see the Shark up against Scott Norton. This could be a train wreck. We come back from the commercial break, and we're told that Bobby Heenan has left the commentary table, and we don't know why, um, and the Shark and Norton come out for their match. They lock up in a bit of an aggressive fashion here right away, and they sort of jockey for position for a few seconds before Shark gets the upper hand, then hits a huge belly-to-belly -belly suplex and an elbow drop for a two-count. But then Norton fires back immediately with two big clotheslines and goes up to the top rope for a shoulder block and slams the Shark for a two-count. Really good start here and a good pop from the crowd there for the slam. Um, they do then hit each other with a double clothesline and both go down and the crowd give out big ooze. So they're obviously into this early on. We flick the camera over though and Bobby Heenan is sat with an Asian gentleman in the crowd and some girls with candles, hors d'oeuvres and champagne on offer here. So not quite sure what's going on there. The action quickly spills to the outside and Norton comes off the apron to hit Shark with an elbow and they just begin immediately brawling on the outside for a lame double count out which is a shame because even though I wasn't looking forward to it it was heating up quite nicely for the couple of minutes it actually went. The crowd seemed to agree because they do give some boos as the Bad News Brown special takes place and they brawl all the way to the back. Glancing back over at Heenan and he's been slipped an envelope full of cash from the chap he sat with. Still not really sure what's going on there. When we come back from the commercial break, Tony Schiavone's in the ring and we see some still shots of the Flair, Pillman, Arne Anderson beatdown of Sting from the night before and three of the four horsemen are in the ring to cut a promo. They're hyping that they have one more member yet to join and they say that they'll be here next Monday if Sting wants to see them and we go back to another commercial break. We come back, a match that's perked my ears up. It's Sabu up against Mr. Disco Fever himself. Disco Fever! Sorry, couldn't help myself there. I still do love that theme. Anyway, as they're getting set up for this match, Eric Bischoff tells us on commentary that next week's show will be interactive. There will be red and blue lockers, and in those lockers will be one side faces and heels. He obviously doesn't use those terms, and the crowd will get to pick one of the matches. Sabu wants to get on offense right away, but Disco Fever is avoiding him and doing the old honky-tonk man, you know, honky man dance, you know, the one with the two thumbs and the shaking of the backside. Um, just really pissing Sabu off early on here, which is good. Sabu eventually gets a hold of him and just plants him one before lamping him with a springboard leg lariat and a springboard missile drop kick uh, from the apron for a two count. Uh, Sabu's got some lovely gold shiny pants on and I'm pretty sure my daughter owns the same pair so at some point I'll tweet a picture of those two side by side and you can be the judge. Disco gets back on offense and then it's really just a matter of hitting Sabu and doing a bit of dancing um, and the crowd get right into it looking for a Sabu chant wanting him to get back on. Disco eventually misses an avalanche type splash in the corner, allowing Sabu to hit a flipping leg drop over the ropes for a three count before tossing him out and uh, throwing a plancher from outside in on top of him. And then a scary botch off that as he, it looked like he wanted a rana, but he sort of just landed on him with his backside. So it was a little bit messy, but it nailed him. As they lay on the ringside uh, area prone, I noticed there is a guy in the front row um, 
in Hulk Hogan attire and as a football fan we would normally refer to this as a full kit wanker um, essentially he is in head to toe just like Hulk Hogan uh, wrestling boots tights uh, mustache shirt you name it um, he looks like a moron so there you have it um, they do eventually get back up here on the outside. Disco goes to leave, and Sabu actually throws a table at him. This is actually pretty cool. I'm loving this gimmick of Sabu winning matches and then continuing to beat the shit out of people. Um, he nails him with another plancher, uh, but Disco moves out the way um, while he was laid on a table, and Sabu hits the table with a splat, but it doesn't break, and then Disco just legs it as Sabu sort of trashes the ringside area in anger. Pretty cool. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it is time for Meng and Lex Luger, up with Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart, I should say, up against the American Males. Um, this didn't make a lot of sense to me, because even though Lex has joined the Dungeon of Doom, they kind of did it by screwing Meng over the night before, so none of that's mentioned, and it's all forgotten here. Um, we go to an ad break really early in the match, like within seconds, and when we come back, the American Males are in control of Lex Luger. And they're just exchanging tags and staying on offense. Pretty basic, nothing really much happening here. Um, Riggs does hit a drop kick and then a really bad backdrop. Like, Luca sort of rolled over him like a crappy action scene rolling over the windscreen of a car. And then Eric Bischoff strangely goes nice, and Bobby Heenan follows it up with very nice. Not sure what they were watching, it was shit. Meng eventually gets fed up on the apron, comes in and helps a double team, and Lex takes over before Lex tags Meng in and he becomes, uh, comes in and pounds on Riggs. He tags Lex back in pretty quickly as well, who hits a couple of clothesline on Riggs uh, before Meng gets back in and hits him with some chops. Meng's undone here early, though, as he hits him with a slam and goes for a senton, which misses, allowing the warm tag to buff on the apron. The crowd were not that into it. Uh, he comes in on Lex with three clotheslines and a backdrop, but Jimmy Hart distracts and Meng gets in and kicks both the babyfaces' heads off before Lex puts buff up in the rack uh, for the submission victory. Uh, not much of a match here. Uh, Eric Bischoff then wishes all the kids to be careful on Halloween, and Mongo hits Bobby Heenan with some silly string for Trick or Treat. The last segment of the night, actually, is when they're going to show us the footage from last night, so they were pretty smart to tease this throughout the night. Um, and when we come back, we've got Giant in the ring with Lex Luger, Kevin Sullivan, and Jimmy Hart. Strangely enough, the Giant has the title belt on, which he didn't actually win the night before. Um, so, very interesting to see where this is taking us. Um, and we're told that Jimmy Hart was the evil in Hulk Hogan. So, they said he had evil in his house, not in his heart, apparently now. And it was Jimmy Hart all along. Um, Lex boxes a, botches a promo. Um, he tried to say that he left Macho Man and Hulk Hogan in a, lying in a crumpled heap. But he says that he left them lying in a crumpled heat. So, not quite sure what he meant there. Um, he does, however, reference a line I picked up on a few shows back where Hulk Hogan called him Macho and Sting Little Dog. So, good that I spotted that one and it actually led to something. Very proud of myself there. Thank you. We're then told that the Giant will defend the title next week because he's a fighting champion. Um, okay, fair enough. And um, Jimmy Hart does laps around the others in the ring as Tony Schiavone hypes next week's Nitro with the heels just standing there looking like dummies in a really weird end to the show. Um, strange sort of eclectic mix this one was, so... That'll do it for Nitro. Let's flip the channel and see if Raw had anything else going on that we would have preferred to watch. Let's do it.
Monday Night Raw opens up with a cheesy entrance video to rival the Halloween Havoc one from the night before. It's Todd Pettengale voicing over um, footage of last week's Battle Royal that Owen Hart won, but it's done sort of black and white with screams and Halloween noises in the background, and he puts on a really shit voice, really sort of going over that, talking about the IC title match tonight with Razor, and also hyping up the debut on TV of Goldust. When we get out of that, we cut to the ring. Jerry Lawler's got like a mad scientist, doctor type outfit on. And Vince McMahon's got a old-timey sort of TV comedy jailbird outfit on. Um, Jerry Lawler says a strange line to him saying, Nice outfit, I heard you got it a year ago and you've had to wait till today to wear it. So, not sure if that was an inside joke or referencing some of Vince's many legal troubles or not. Vince rightfully could have probably mentioned some of Jerry's while he was at it, but he chose not to. And we open up the show with Savio Vega up against the TV debut of Goldust. Um, and Vince says that we're seeing a Caribbean legend up against a Hollywood legend. Both of those are false. My daughter walks into the room as Goldust is making his entrance and he says to me, she says to me, sorry, Daddy, he looks like a creep with a dress on. Who am I to disagree? That being said, she is doing nothing for gender sensitivity on the podcast, so I do apologise. Uh, Goldust goes on the attack early on and he's wearing his non-shiny bodysuit, you know, the one he wore early on where it was like a cottony fabric type material that really highlighted his cock, so that's great for us all to see. His offense is pretty boring, he's just punching and stomping on Savio, putting him in the corner and nailing him with some shoulders before he misses a backdrop attempt and Savio uh, Vega comes back with a back elbow, but Goldust then sends him shoulder first into the post, and this begins a sequence of long shoulder work over by Goldust, which doesn't really give us anything exciting to chew on. Um, we do see in the crowd there are four guys in handwritten t-shirts uh, supporting gold dust, you know, like gold dust rules written in permanent marker, but they've all got blonde wigs and perfect gold dust makeup, so that was pretty cool. Uh, gold dust is working over the shoulder, as I said. It's pretty dull. The crowd seem okay. They, they look like they're into it, but we go to an ad break and we come back and it's still exactly the same, uh, working on the shoulder slowly. Savio fires back with a crossbody and gets a two count before Goldust misses an avalanche slash stinger splash type move in the corner and Savio comes back with three clotheslines but misses a spinning heel kick. Goldust then strangely hits a big boot to the shoulder he'd been working on. It was a pretty cool spot before going to Savio on the ground, hooking his arm under him behind him. You know, like the move you would see where if someone's working on the arm, they hook the arm behind and body slam them onto it. But he doesn't actually lift him up. He just hooks his arm underneath him, then hooks a leg and pins him for the three count. It was a really weird ending. I'm guessing they were still yet to decide on a permanent finishing move for Goldust, but we're going to have him on TV and go over an established name in his first match. Give us something. Give us a, a decent ending, because this was a bit crap. We go to the back and Doc Hendricks with some Halloween face paint and a weird outfit is telling us about the Bret Hart and Diesel match and how Gorilla Monsoon is going to make it no count out and no DQ because we've had a couple of their matches ending controversy in the past year. We then weirdly cut away to Razor and the kid arguing backstage but only for a couple of seconds and we don't find out why so that was a bit weird and we cut away from that for Barry Horowitz and Hakushi debating the merits of America versus Japan before settling it like all big time wrestlers do with a karate fighters match out the back and Barry Horowitz wins leading to the cues of Horowitz wins Horowitz wins before Hakushi tells him it's two out of three and they go again a big advert for Milton Bradley karate fighters if you watch the WWF in the 90s this is a name that will ring bells with you no doubt we go to a commercial break and we come back and it's time for Marty Gennetti up against Joe Dorgan 
Marty starts out on the offense as early as you would expect against a jobber with some arm drags and a monkey flip. And we're told that next week we'll see Marty Gennetti up against a British Bulldog. That should be cool. Two um, early 90s favorites of mine locking up a bit later, but both still can go. Marty and Joe Dorgan exchange some corner whips before Marty hits a running fish drop and puts him into a chin lock. We're also told next week we'll see Isaac Yankum team up with Jerry Lawler to take on Bret Hart and Hakushi. That one's got potential to be good as well. Uh, Marty hits a snapmare and another chin lock before hitting a face buster, sort of like a, almost like an X-Factor, but without going to ground. Goes up to the top rope and hits a fish drop for the three count. Pretty average squash match here, nothing really to see. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Vince is in the ring with Jim Cornette, Clarence Mason, and the British Bulldog. Um, Cornette cuts a promo saying that Gorilla Monsoon had stipulated that the winner of the British Bulldog and Diesel was to face Bret Hart for the title at Survivor Series, but... Since the Bulldog won by DQ, he's now gone back on his word, and Diesel will be facing Bret Hart, who didn't actually win the match. Um, good point there, I guess. Clarence Mason has a promo himself, and he basically says all the same stuff, but he also demands that the Bulldog should get a match with Bret Hart. Um, they hype the wild card match for Survivor Series that the Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Yoko will all be in from their camp. Before Bulldog tells us that he will drop Marty Jannetty before getting in the customary in your use part of his promo. Marty Gennetti sneaks up from behind on the Bulldog, hits him with a drop kick, nails Jim Cornette with a back elbow, and then stalks Clarence Mason into the corner, teasing that he's going to hit him a few times, and then rearing back his fist, but just, again, faking him out. Um, we then get a recap of the Smoking Guns, Razor Ramon, Kid Angle from the pay-per-view, before we go to an ad break, and when we come back, it's time for the Smoking Guns, up against Otis Apollo and Question Mark. If you saw my tweet, they don't even know the name of the guy who was fighting, so that was pretty awful. Doesn't really matter, because before they even lock up, we go backstage for a one 2 3 kid promo, um, where he's apologising to the guns, but then saying if they've got anything about them as champions, they'll give him another match. Um, when we come back, the guns are in control with some quick tags. Bart nails both of the um, opposition with clotheslines, and they hit the sidewinder finish for the one 2 3 so another, another mess squash, nothing really happening here. We then go backstage for a Bret Hart promo, hyping up how great Diesel is and how they're such good friends, but saying that he will win the title. Um, before then cutting back to ringside and Barry Dodinsky is hawking the WWF toy foam belts. Um, if you were a fan like me again in the early 90s, you'll remember these little foam uh, title belts. Willie Nelson, I think, sang the national anthem in one of them at WrestleMania. If anyone has them and wants to send them on, please feel free, just like that classic WWF tape. Some really great mid-90s stuff that I would happily have in my mantle place. On my mantle place, even. We then go to the graveyard for a Paul Bearer promo where he's telling us that his Undertaker will return. Um, that's good to know. And we come to our main event of the evening, which is Razor Ramon defending his Intercontinental title against Owen Hart. Owen comes to the ring first, and then Razor runs out and nails Owen. And then they begin exchanging uh, dominance with arm, arm-based offense, arm ringers, arm drags, etc. Basically both trying to get control of the match. We see a scroll along the screen of text telling us that if we want to know about the condition of Shawn Michaels, we should call the uh, Superstar line. Before Razor finally takes control of the early sequence, nails a big right hand and Owen Hart begs off wanting to avoid the bad guy. Razor's got um, Owen in a hammerlock standing, to which Owen flips out and when Razor turns to face him, Owen cocks back and nails him with a huge slap, really leveled him with that one. Unfortunately, when he tries to take over control, he comes off with a crossbody that Razor catches and nails him with the SOS. Razor also nails Jim Cornette in this sequence. 
Razor goes back onto the arm for a little while, and the slap seems to have raised the ire of Yoko Zuna because he comes out with Mr. Fuji, and Jim Cornette cries to them in the aisle about how Razor hit him in the eye. Owen tosses Razor out of the ring to some really audible boos that don't seem to line up with the crowd, which was a little bit weird. They might have been piped in before Owen then hits him with a baseball slide, which results in a cheer and then booing, which is also a little bit strange. Um, but we then have a razor chan on the outside, which is definitely not piped in because the crowd are clearly getting to their feet here. Owen hits a na- uh, missile drop kick back on the inside for a two count, but Razor fights back before Owen hits a spinning heel kick also for a two count. He hits a neck breaker and then a really nice top rope elbow. He got some good elevation and really nailed it for another two count before Todd Pettengale rudely interrupts us for a world tour de force ad, you know, basically just hocking some house shows coming up and really interrupted the rhythm of what was turning out to be a good match. So for that, Todd gets this week's dick move of the week. And we finally get back to the match and both men are down. Thanks a lot. We miss that. When they do get back up, Razor nails a discus punch before going up top for a super back suplex, which Owen reverses and then Razor reverses in kind to get a two count before Razor gets back up and nails a clothesline. We then get a really ugly cut where the action's going on and it just stops dead and comes back to Razor holding Owen up in the Razor's edge. So there's nothing in set, no ad, nothing in between. It was just a really awkward cut. Um, he's got him up for an ice age while Yokozuna's getting into the ring, pulls Owen off from the back. Um, that probably didn't mean to come out the way it did, but never mind. And then nails Razor Ramon with the clothesline. Just to clarify, Yokozuna did, definitely did not give Owen hard a reach around. I probably can't leave that unsaid now. He then nails Razor Ramon with a huge leg drop. Vince tells us that's 641 pounds. I don't think he was quite that heavy at this stage, but I found it odd enough for me to make note that he he really sort of screamed that size out, and I wondered why. And I would come to find out momentarily. The 123 kid comes out and attacks both of them, but Yoko does nail him. Bit of a poke to the eye and a couple of punches before hitting him with a huge leg drop. And then to make the save, holy fuck, it's Ahmed Johnson for the first time. Very cool. Um, He goes right after Yoko and in no short order nails him with a body slam. That's why Vince was yelling out his weight 20 seconds earlier. The bulldog comes running down the aisle to confront Ahmed, jumps in the ring, thinks better of it, and the show's off the air. That's it. So, bit of a strange ending, um, but good main event there. It's time to stack up and find out which show was the better. For match quality this week, I'm going with WCW, but just barely. Um, The main event of Raw was definitely the best match overall, Razor and Owen Hart, but the rest of Raw pretty well sucked. Goldust and Savio did nothing to excite me at all, Um, and two squash matches, which meant absolutely nothing. Whereas in WCW, I got to see Eddie Guerrero, which is always a good thing. Um, The Shark and Scott Norton was really quick, but at least it was hot. Um, Sabu and Disco Inferno was cool, just because I'm loving Sabu's maniac, approach and the main event wasn't up to much but you know it's no worse than the two squashes on raw production value i'm also going with wcw the wwf had a really horrible timing with ad breaks and cut twice sort of poorly in the main event once i'm not sure why and secondly they didn't sort of go off the air properly um it just really cut short so poor form from the wwf on this night storyline i'm going to go back to the wwf i think their world title picture is clear what's happening. Um, there's several contenders and 
we're sort of jockeying for position about who's going to get the best of them. Whereas in WCW, the main story is the Giants got the title, but they didn't actually address why. Uh, they made no attempt to tell us. That's still to come um, if you know about the time period. Hulk Hogan wasn't there um, to address it, and the commentators didn't really challenge what had gone on either. WCW did do well with the Four Horsemen angle. I thought that was probably the best bit of storyline advancement on the show. But WWF really, it advanced several stories. Razor and Owen Hart was a good sort of mini one that had come from the week before. Goldust pushing him forward um, and his debut. They set up Marty and the Bulldog for next week. They carried on the Bret Hart, Lawler, Isaac Yankum storyline um, and also set up some, something for the future with the Paul Bearer promo telling us that The Undertaker was coming back. So a lot of storyline involvement in a short show for the WWF. The crowd, I'm going with the WWF. I know I said at one point I thought the chants were piped in, but pretty quickly after that I did visibly see the crowd get right into it for Razor. Um, this was a tough one to call as well because there were some decent pops for the WCW guys. They just never seemed to get quite as... Um, into the stuff as the Raw crowd did, so it's going to go to the WWF just barely, which takes us to our last category for the night, which is characters, and this will be the one that makes or breaks it for the week. It's going to be a tough one to decide, because with no Hulk Hogan and no Macho Man, or no Sting for that matter either, in WCW, and no Diesel and no Shawn Michaels in the WWF, it's going to, it's not going to be an easy one to pick, and also no in-ring appearance from Brett either, though he was there in a backstage promo. For this one, I'm going to just barely go with the WWF. They've just edged it out in what was a poor form showing for both, really. Um, mainly because they've got Goldust and advanced his character, and Savio was on the show as well, so a name for him to go against. Marty was on the show advancing, as were the kid, uh, sorry, the smoking guns. The kid put himself about, as did Bret Hart. Um, we heard about The Undertaker and Razor and Owen and Yoko Zuna and the Bulldog were all involved as well. In WCW, um, I did get to see Eddie Guerrero, but Pittman sucks. I can't stand him. I've got no interest really in Scott Norton and the Shark. Whilst he was there and I like him, he's in a lame uh, gimmick. Disco Inferno and Sabu are really the bright spot for me. Meng and Lex Luger are the two most bland members of the Dungeon of Doom, and they face the American males who really have zero character. They're meant to look like strippers, but they don't actually strip. So for this one, I'm going to go against the grain with some recent showings, and I'm going to go with Monday Night Raw, despite what the ratings tell you. On this night, October 30th, 1995, Raw was a better show but it was very, very close. Um, that'll do it for this week. So again, thanks for all the interaction on Twitter, um, Facebook, and whatnot. I will chat to you all as the week goes on. This one will get up either tonight or tomorrow, and we'll keep the shows rolling. Um, might intercept the next month's Raw and Nitro with one retro show, see how we go there, and then we'll continue on the format of Raw, Nitro, and pay-per-views at the end of the month. Uh, so that'll do it for today. Thank you very much, and see you all next time. Sound sick over Dre drums. I ain't stupid, I see doc. Then my dope come quicker. Whoa, shorty hips is hypnotic. She moves to so radical. Watch, I'm like, bounce that ass, girl. I get it crump in here. I make it jump in here. Front in here, we'll thump in here. Oh, so good, I so ghetto, so hard. 
So gully, so grimy, what's good? Outside the Benz on dubs, I'm in the club with the snub. Don't start nothing, there won't be nothing, uh. Little mama, show me how you're moving. Go ahead, put your back into it. Do your thing like it ain't nothing to it. Shake, shake, shake that ass, girl. Little mama, show me how you're moving. Go ahead, put your back into it. Do your thing like it ain't nothing to it. Shake, shake, shake that ass, girl. Let's party, everybody stand up. Everybody put your hands up, let's party Everybody bounce with me Some champagne and burn a little greenery It's hot Disco Inferno, let's go You're now rockin' with a pro I get dough to flip dough to get more for show Get my drink on and get on the dance floor Look at me, I don't dance, all I do is this It's the same two-step with a little twist Listen, Peppin', I ain't new to this, I'm true to this Pay attention, boy, I teach you how to do this We mix a little crisp with a little Don Perignon And a little Hennessy, you know we finna carry on Hollin' at the streets in the club, trying to get right We gon' be up in this bitch till we break daylight, daylight Little mama, show me how you're moving Go ahead, put your back into it Do your thing like it ain't nothing to it Shake, shake, shake that ass, girl Little mama, show me how you're moving Go ahead, put your back into it Do your thing like it ain't nothing to it Shake, 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 shake that ass, girl You see me shining lit up with diamonds Cause I stay grinding Uh-huh, homie, you could catch me swooping Bentley, cooping, switching lanes <laughs> See me rolling, you know why I'm holding, I'm out my paper, yeah I'm serious, I ain't playing, I'm embedded in your brain, I'm off the chain G-Unit, next level now, turn it up a notch Him and Dre sent me to tear up the spot Front on me, oh no, you know I'm loco Hands up on the dance floor, okay, let's go Little mama, show me how you're moving Go ahead, put your back into it Do your thing like it ain't nothing to it Shake, shake, shake that ass, girl Show me how you move it Go ahead, put your back into it Do your thing like it ain't nothing to it Shake, 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 shake that ass, girl